Design it, craft it, smith it, stitch it, tool it, and pick it. We do it all. This is Bespokelahoma. Musical intro by Allie Harder and Pig Splash Shop out of Oklahoma City. Welcome to this edition of Bespoke Lahoma, broadcasting out of Traditions Leather Crafts Studio at 7500 West Reno Suite 200 in Oklahoma City. Check out the finished goods room at Traditions. Believe it or not, Traditions does more than just have the largest selection of wholesale leather in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Casey also does a phenomenal job of supporting all of us hungry makers by allowing us to uh, sell some of our goods in his finished goods room. And like I said, I think a couple weeks ago on the podcast, if, if you guys are looking for uh, an, a late, we're getting to uh, you know a, a crunch time Christmas gift here, We've got a month, less than a month until Christmas. Um, and as Dustin said, we are all way booked on custom orders. But if you want to get a one-of-a-kind handcrafted leather good item for friends or family, uh, Casey has purses, wallets, guitar straps, belts, knife sheaths, earrings, several different kinds of jewelry. Um, I mean, the list absolutely goes on and uh, some really great work by some really great makers. So be sure to check those out. I don't think we really have much of a class schedule upcoming. Everybody's uh, pretty swamped, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't been up there since like late last week, and I didn't look at the board, so I don't know what classes. Yeah, there. and I, I called him and placed an order today, so... Uh, I don't get up there anymore either, but be sure to check out the finished goods room and, and also uh, Swinging K Farms goat soap, goat milk products. Um, definitely going to be some stocking stuffers for me this year. Uh, mm -hmm. Soaps, lotions, um, absolutely wonderful products. I always joke, but I'm serious that that's like literally the only thing I've ever washed my baby with because he smells like <laughs> delicious oats and honey. So, <laughs> uh, that is the specials for this week. Also, I want to say that this weekend, December 4th, if I'm feeling better, which I'm feeling better now. So hopefully I'll be good enough to go. I will be, uh, I will have a vendor booth at the Starkyard City christmas parade this saturday and i believe it's 10 to 4 um me and tony mullins will be out there selling our pre-made leathers and uh come out and see us even if you're a leather worker come say hi <laughs> absolutely good deal well who have we got on the show this evening <clears throat> tonight we have cheyenne sparks how are you doing tonight cheyenne good how are you guys doing uh, Wonderful. Yeah. I took a look at your Instagram and you look like a busy gal. Oh, you know, just, <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Wear a couple hats. I mean, they're interchangeable at least. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us uh, kind of the breadth. I think we'll probably focus on, uh, on your beadwork, but kind of tell us a little bit about everything that you do. 
Yeah. So I am a beater. Uh, I've been beating for about 11, uh, almost 12 years now. And I am from Oklahoma. Um, I'm from South Central Oklahoma, the Chickasha area. I uh, went to Oklahoma State University, graduated from there. I work at the Department of Agriculture now. I'm actually the president of the Oklahoma Cattle Women's Association. Um, my husband and I are, are starting our own ranch this year. Uh, we bought our first herd and we're working towards growing our cow-cow preparation. And then I've got two little top hands, Laramie and Clay. They're four and one. And that is where I would say oh most my of my time is devoted. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of brands in the fire right now. Absolutely. So how did you get started in beadwork? I noticed from your Instagram that um, you do have native heritage, which beading is definitely a huge part of that. Is that kind of where you got your start? Absolutely. I, you know, I, my family has been affected by a lot of different prejudice and stereotypes throughout our ancestrage. And so you know, especially in Oklahoma, you see a lot of the kill the Indian, save the man going on and your your heritage gets pushed back to for safety reasons. And so I am from a long line of um, indigenous peoples that fought to stay alive. And that came with losing a little bit of our culture and losing a little bit of our you know tribal uh, identity. And while, you know, I was always told I was native, they never you know hit it in my generation. Um, not too long ago, my dad's mother wasn't able to be as loud and proud and, and definitely not her mother who, um, was in a residential school. And so I kind of took on beating as a way to reconnect and to, to just learn about who I was and who my ancestors were and, and get to know myself more. Um, I also really liked beadwork and I couldn't afford it, <laughs> so, you know, you you want to you wanna have nice things and sometimes you can't afford it. So you just have to learn to make it. But it was definitely um, a, a great way for me to reconnect. I am Choctaw. Uh, I'm a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. I'm actually a registered artist within my tribe. So I, I've been able Very to cool. learn about myself and learn about my culture and learn about my tribe specifically through my work. And then also, as I've become more comfortable over the years, I've been able to use my beadwork to spread that message to other reconnecting natives or other individuals that want to learn more about native culture. What a way to get loud and proud. I think that mm-hmm. is fantastic. It's, it's definitely been a ride. I'll tell you that there's a lot of things I'm still learning. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're raised not to, you know, I knew I was native, but it's not like I was raised on, you know, Indian territory. I wasn't raised in Durant, which is where the Choctaw nation is housed. I, um, I, I'm in Chickasha, so I'm kind of disconnected in that way. And then, um, just, you know, raised as a normal Oklahoma child and you learn all these things about the natives in Oklahoma and, and then you actually learn about the natives in Oklahoma and how, <laughs> how wrong history is sometimes. And so it's, it's definitely been an eye opening uh, journey for me and, and I'm still struggling. Hey, you know, sometimes people look at you and you're too native and then sometimes people look at you and you're not native enough and um, yeah it's always a constant identity struggle back and forth and so beads are my way of like I I can just I have on my work clothes you know I'm going to a professional event you've got your blazer you've got your high heels and then you just throw on some beads 
and it just kind of gives you that sense of identity that I've I've always been looking for. So they've always been very special to me beads, no matter if I make them or someone else makes them for me. Well, and like you said, they they definitely are are one of the priciest of the leather craft kind of additions. You know, that's definitely something that a lot of leather workers like to incorporate into their work. But I would say, and Dustin back me up on this, I would say very few leather workers feel like they have the patience for beadwork. <laughs> oh, definitely. I've I've thought about it a couple of times because I've had a few people. Uh, it's been a while, messaged me asking if I do beaded belts. And I'll be like, well, I, I'll do the belt part, but I, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do the part. And, uh, like, I, I, there was one guy, I forgot what his name was. Uh, he he did, did bead work on the side, and I had messaged him and asked him, you know, how much this would be and he he gave me a prize and I was like I don't think they're gonna want this belt <laughs> well the the time I mean that's yeah. really the time that it takes and that's why I really enjoyed your Instagram Cheyenne because you kind of showed the process because I think a lot of people realize that it is time consuming but I don't think they realize exactly how time consuming it can be yes and I don't I I don't think a lot of people understand the design time as well um, yeah. And I think that a lot of a lot of different crafts, not just beadwork, but, you know, I, I prefer to do peyote stitch, which, you know, loom work is what you typically see. And those are straight lines of beads. You make them on an actual loom that you've strung up with strings and the device is holding the beadwork while you're beading onto it. But I prefer to do peyote stitch. And that is a stitch where you're just doing it in your hands. So you, you just have thread and beads. You're not using any devices to, to guide you along. And it takes a lot more time. I think it's a stronger stitch, in my opinion. Um, it, it is definitely something that is not for the faint of heart. Um, no. I think if I were to do a belt strip, uh, it would probably be around 15 hours um, of just beading from start to finish. And that's probably, not the design included. No, that is just no. the beading. And that's probably like about a 26 inch um, long strip of, of beads for like a typical size belt. Well, it's yeah. funny because my mom, she's she actually used to do, and I don't know if it was peyote stitch or I think there's something, block stitch. Is that brick. the same brick as stitch. brick stitch? Mm -hmm. She used to make um, earrings like with porcupine quills and mm -hmm. seed beads in the whole nine yards and she's a big listener of the show and she was looking through your instagram before and she goes oh my gosh this woman is crazy she just <laughs> dumps it all into a pile and just figures it out and so we were we were really admiring uh your, your technique on that one that's impressive bead soup is what i call it bead soup and i get so much flack so just for anybody that's trying to visualize this, you know, typically people would have their beads in little containers and, or they would have their beads like on a mat in little piles, all the colors separated, nice and pretty. And I'm just like, nope. And I throw it all just together. Dump all the vials into one pile and go for broke. I love it. It's, it's definitely my calling card. Uh, there's a lot of beers that are like, I can't, I can't handle when you do this. It stresses them out and they hate it. I've actually had people um, over the course, because TikTok really blew up for me last year. And over the course of TikTok, obviously so many people have seen this huge pile of insanity um 
And so they, they're like, please send me your beads and I will sort them for you. <laughs> I, like, I just can't. I like, I like when they're mixed together. Um, it doesn't make any sense. I thrive in the chaos of it. And I actually had a hat recently that I was beading onto and I was using, it, it, it was different shades of bronze. And oh, so no. they were so close together that I couldn't mix them without truly making myself go insane. If they were regular bronze would be fine but they were iris bronze which means they are mostly all the same color but some of them have little tinges of like green or purple or blue and and so like you cannot mix those <laughs> and I had to keep them separated and I think I was on a live or something and you could I could I looked like I was tweaking I was like itching to mix the <laughs> and I I just I love to mix my beads and it drives people nuts but that's I thrive in chaos I truly do yeah, well, like I said, it, it sounds like you're a, a busy, busy person. So you do, do you do the beadwork as like your primary source of income? I know you guys said you were doing the ranch, but is it kind of like your your primary no. business? It is not. So actually, my beadwork is um, still a side hobby, technically, because I do have a full-time position. I'm the manager of the Oklahoma Ag Mediation Program at the Department of Agriculture. And oh, so... Wow. That is my full-time job. And then I, um, you know, we have the ranch that we're just starting. So that won't be profitable for a little bit. <laughs> and then we've got, uh, you know, the, the Cattle Women's Association. I've been volunteering with them for over a decade. It's completely voluntary, but it does take up a lot of time. And that's in and of itself a part-time position. And so the beadwork just kind of gets slipped in um, whenever I have I have a, a chance. It's, it's something that helps us pay for those cows that are out in pasture right now. Um, you bet. Or, or truthfully, sometimes it ends up just paying for itself because I am a glutton for punishment. And so I will, I'll sell beadwork so I can buy beads to make more beadwork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm sure you guys being leather crafters might understand this. Oh, like, yeah. Okay, how many, how many belts do I need to sell to buy this thing that I need <laughs> to make more things? <laughs> uh, that's how I am. Okay, how many earrings or how many hats or, or you know, I, I really want these 24k beads or whatever it is and so i have to think about okay i need to make some money so i can spend some money yes yeah, otherwise how... the spouses start looking at you funny <laughs> mm-hmm. oh that, yeah that's how i think whenever i go to buy a new cowhide that casey has <laughs> at his store <laughs> <clears throat> excuse so, me so shane what all do you make out of, with your beadwork Honestly, I will make anything. Um, if people can think it up, I'll, I'll be just about anything. Uh, now, what I have been actually selling recently, just because I have been so busy um, with a few new positions and, and things like that, I've had to kind of close customs. I actually haven't been able to have custom orders open for, I think, almost a year now um, because I do I bead contractually for Shorty's Hattery. And so Shorty's Cowboy Hattery in Oklahoma City, I've been beading with them specifically for about seven years, I think. And I actually bead the brim of their hats. And then also um, I do hat bands to match the brim. And Shorty's, they do all of it. They, you, t- you make your order through them and then they just send it to me and I get to beat on it and send it right back. They clean it. They handle the customers. They do all that stuff. I just get to design and, and play with beads. And I love that so much because sometimes you just need a break um, from having to deal with custom orders. I don't know <laughs> if it feels this way, but while I love customers, I also don't like certain customers sometimes. <laughs> 
And so having the ability to be creative with my beadwork without actually having to do like the shipping and the, you know, transfer of money and all of these things, like I get to just bead and enjoy myself. It's so nice. Um, so I do that with them and that is very steady. I, I stay kind of on retainer with them and whenever they have custom orders come in, they just ship it to me. And sometimes I have no hats to work on. And sometimes like right now I have about six hats sitting on my table. So, um, they keep me pretty steady. And then I would kind of sell earrings or necklaces or bracelets or, um, I've done, uh, head stalls. I've done, um, halters. I, what all have I done? I've, I've done your so bouquet wraps are okay. phenomenal. Oh, okay. yeah, I was about to say that. That's, those so are really um, cool. that is the other thing that I have continued to do. So I'm continuing to do the hats. And then in between the hats, I still do the bouquet wraps because I can – obviously, you're not going to contact me if you're getting married next week. So yeah, right. well, yeah. <laughs> plan those out. And I'm actually booked up with the bouquet wraps until the end of 2022, and I've started taking 2023 brides. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I'm, very excited. I actually, um, TikTok really, truly blew up for me last year. Before I got on TikTok, I had made, um, I made a book. I had it in my head. I've seen all the leather wraps. They're gorgeous. And of course I look at it. I'm thinking, how can I add beads onto this? And I had a friend getting married and she was like, Hey, do you know a leather worker? And not to take work away from the leather workers. (laughs) I, I, I hear you. I know what you want. I have a different idea. And will you trust me to play with this? And she was like, yeah, of course. And then, you know, I, I offered it for free. And, and I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. She's like, okay. And so I sat down and I messed with it and redid it. So her wedding. Uh, and then we found out how big her bouquet was going to be. And that's the biggest bouquet I've ever seen in my entire life. Think when you put your fingers together, have your fingertips touch, but then have your thumbs touch and make a circle. And that's how big the stems were. Oh, wow. I thought she sent me the wrong measurements. She did not. Um, <laughs> it, it was a, it was a massive piece of beadwork and I've never done one that big again. Uh, just, I think it was somewhere between like, I think it was 10 inches tall. It was 10 inches tall and eight inches. No, it was eight inches tall and 10 inches wide. Just the beadwork, not inclusive of like the leather that I put on the back and massive and I brought it to her and she's like oh my gosh I love this and it 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 blew it out of the water I was so excited um I thought no one's ever gonna pay for this though because it's gonna be super (laughs) expensive and the photographer at her wedding the the woman that photographed her wedding was like I want this for my cousin and so she purchased one and then nothing no one wanted again um I had three cousins get married with very quickly all they were all the, the men found these amazing women that trusted me to make them some beadwork so all the <laughs> all the brides let me bead uh their bouquet wraps and i had one bride uh, and it was a family member i had one bride in 2019 or 2020 Tw- one bride in 2020 no orders nothing um there there was potential orders but because of covid they got canceled and so i was like okay well that was fun you know at least i tried um and then those wonderful cousins got together and did a photo shoot for me. And uh, I kind of posted those online and you could see the the bouquet wraps and everything. And then I got an order and I got another order and TikTok blew up and I got a few more. And the next thing I know, I had 15 for 2021 and uh, fully booked up 2022. And I actually already have, I believe, six for 2023. And oh my gosh. It's, it's beyond my wildest dreams. I've been... Um, 
so excited to I just love weddings I don't know I don't know what it is I love weddings and so you know the brides contact me and they're like this is who I am and this is who my husband is and this is what our ideas are and we're kind of you know we're ranch people we're native people we're city people this is what our wedding's gonna look like and I get to chat with them um and I don't know how you guys you know sometimes do process when people are like just do whatever you think will look good um but I get to just sit down with them and get to know them and then kind of take the image of who I think they are out of my head and put it into beadwork. And of course I, you know, I send it to them and I get their approval and, and all that stuff first, but um, it's just magical. And I love weddings. <laughs> See, that's it. I, I love custom orders. If I could do exclusively custom orders, just for that reason of the piece is, part of the person for me like I I absolutely love being able to get the input and and the personality of the customer involved in whatever the piece is yes and they've always kind of um pulled me into their weddings you know sometimes like I'm able to help with um palettes like color palettes because color is really where I shine I love mixing colors that you wouldn't typically mix together i I stay true to the regular, you know, fire colors, turquoise, black and white and, um, you know, things like that nature that a lot of people want and people will ask for those colors. But then sometimes they're just like, okay, play with it and see what you come up with. And I get to just take these beads that originally you wouldn't think look good together. But once you put them into the design, they just they flow so beautifully. And then the way that you can use beads of different finishes, so beads that are metallic or beads that are matte. Um, some of them are transparent and, and this or that. When you put the same color in different finishes side by side, it can just give these amazing uh, textures to a piece. And I, that's where I thrive. That's what makes me excited is the designing process and, and getting it all together. And of course, getting the, uh, <laughs> with weddings, you get beautiful photos back. Um, oh, absolutely. You want to talk about having your Instagram decked out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the photographers at weddings because they always go above and beyond. Uh, the, one of the most recent weddings that I was able to do, I did a garter for. And I got to work with a leather worker, like you were saying, with the belts. Um, I have a friend, Charity Grimes. She is from Oklahoma. She lives in Texas now. And she just started doing leather because um, she was a vet tech. And then they moved to a ranch her husband worked on. And, and she was at home with the babies. And she was like, I'm going to do this. You know, my, my husband used to do leather. I have all these tools. I'm just going to do it. And, oh, my gosh, she's good. And so I contacted her. I said, hey, this bride really wants a beaded garter. And I have no idea where to start. And she's like, I don't know. I said, okay, well, here's the thing. I will beat up a strip and I'm just going to send it to you and you just do whatever you need to do to figure it out. <laughs> and so, uh, we, we got it done and it's actually on my Instagram. Um, it was for a wedding back in September and it matched the bouquet wrap. I used the same design concept on the bouquet wrap as I did on the garter and it turned out so beautifully and the, the pictures of it came back so beautiful. So I'm very, very thankful for those wedding photographers. And of course, charity for doing the the heavy lifting I feel like with the with the leather you bet yeah so uh, what is the what is the hour input on average into one of those bouquet wraps the fastest I can do one is 15 hours and the long like that really really big one took me the about big 50, one yeah yeah it took me about 55 hours oh my gosh yeah, for, uh, from start <laughs> to finish and that was not the remakes that was just when I finally figured out because Essentially, and 
I, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. I, I still haven't seen, I've seen one other person on Instagram that has done a beaded bouquet wrap and they did it inlaid in leather on a loom, like a belt. Right. Um, so they, they did the same concept. It's beautifully done. Um, and they like tooled the sides and put the date on the tooling and all that. And so it was, it was a very beautiful piece of uh, combining beadwork and leather. But they were the, when I first asked my friend if she was willing to do this, of course, you know, you have this idea in your head, you're going to go see if someone else has already done it. And that was the only one I had found. And I was like, no, I don't want to do loom. Like I want to peyote stitch it. And of course I don't do leather. And so I had to find a way to make it stick to a bouquet <laughs> um, and make it look good. And so it, it's one of those where taking it out of my brain and, and putting it into fruition and then seeing it blossom has been just, oh my goodness, so gratifying. Yeah, that's unbelievable because I have not seen, I have not seen anything like what you do. I mean, I think a lot of that probably comes from the fact from, like I said, so many people balk from massive bead pieces Mm -hmm. um so i would say that uh cheyenne probably has the patience of a thousand men combined (laughs) to to accomplish i'm like i said i have done a little bit of beading i've primarily done loom beading so i am just like in awe of the sheer quantity of uh of beadwork it's I think incredibly my impressive would beg to differ on the um the patient, the patient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but beading is uh, and i've i've been very open with this on all of my channels so if you've been a follower of mine you definitely have heard of this journey but i i have my little covid i came out of that with severe postpartum depression and mm-hmm. beading is truthfully my happy place um, when you have high anxiety and, and you need something to center you, beating is Focus a on. craft to, to center you and just kind of collect your thoughts and give you that outlet of um, expression so that you're, you know, all of that energy is, is being turned into something good rather than coming out in bad ways. And so I, 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 it's definitely not patience because I'm not, <laughs> but it, I think it's just one of those things where beating is truthfully my therapy and it's cathartic. Yeah. Is. And I'm sure that's true of most crafts because it's something that we're, we're all putting, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are those days when the string won't stop nodding and the beads aren't the color <laughs> you thought they were going to be. And the kids need you every five seconds and nothing gets done. Um, those are the days where you just put down the beads and the needles and you walk, walk away. away. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just something so cathartic about creating and being a creator and and kind of putting a little bit of yourself into every piece and uh, so that's I think that's how I'm able to sit there for so long is that it's it's my calm it's where I go to to calm myself and so it's oh it it gives back to me as much as I put into it. Do you have a space? Because I'm just thinking of one years old and four years old with teeny <laughs> tiny thousands of teeny tiny seedweeds. So do you have a space? Oh no, <laughs> no, oh no. Um, so I used to use. We have a three bedroom home. I used to use my um, son's current room as my bead room, and truthfully, I would kind of just bead wherever, but I would hide everything in there, and so I'd bead on the couch, and then lock it all up in in that room. And then when my son was born, you know, we, we converted that into his room. So everything just wound up on the kitchen table. And I wish I was joking when I say (laughs) 
hundreds of beads, like hundreds of dollars worth of beads have just disappeared over time. Uh, (laughs) And, and, you know, part of that is my fault because I love letting them join me. And so they, they hop in my lap and they bead with me. And of course they kind of, you know, give them about 10 minutes. They'll go, you know, they'll go figure something else out. They, they get bored of it sometimes. But even last night I was actually doing a TikTok live and uh, my son, he's one, he took a late nap, would not go to bed. So he decides he's going to come in there and join the TikTok live, which he tipped. I don't usually let the kids join in the lives. Um, but I, I let him because he just needed to be calm. And so he beaded with me and then he like fell asleep on my arm. So he is in my lap, one head Aww. on my elbow and he was helping me bead. And then he just watched my hands bead until he passed out. And <laughs> so even though I have, wasted so many supplies um because I don't have a, a place to I need a lock and key is what I need of some kind um it, it's kind of worth it because they they love it because they know I love it and you can tell you can see that they're like okay this is what mom likes to do I want to try it too and and they get into it my four-year-old I mean she can lay some beads down can uh, she really yes and my six-year-old nephew Lane Oh my goodness. He can do peyote stitch better than most adults that I know. Hmm. Um, he, he doesn't pick it up very often, but if I were to sit that boy down every day, I could have a sweatshop going pretty quick. <laughs> like he, <laughs> he, he would probably be faster at me than me. He's so good at it. Um, but he started when he was about three, I think is when he started beating with me. And so they, they all just kind of pick it up and it's really good for their, their fine motor skills. So I, I do lose a lot of supplies, but it's worth it. <laughs> but it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. So That's what really do you cool. want to do in, what are you looking towards? Is there any uh, wish list projects that you want to get to or anything else you want to try? Oh, my goodness. Um, is there a list? I'm sure there is. <laughs> but I, I bounce around so much that I can't even um, come to mind. I uh, When is this? I'll have to ask this first. When's the episode going to air? Do you have like an idea? Is it going to be before Christmas? Oh, it's gonna, okay. I can't tell you what I'm working on right now, but keep your eyes peeled because there is something pertaining to leather that is a Christmas present. So I can't divulge its contents um, <laughs> because I know that the person that's going to receive this gift, <laughs> my husband, um, is going <laughs> to probably listen to this. And so I can't say what it's going to be, but I'm working on something that I've been working towards for a while um, and hopefully that'll be posted fairly soon. And then I just, I always kind of, um, I, I like, hmm, I like to be challenged and I like to do things that haven't been done. Um, so I would love to just find something insane to bead that doesn't need beads, <laughs> but I can just add <laughs> beads to um, TikTok is always great. They, there's a lot of creative minds on there. They're always great at giving me some good ideas. But overall, I think that for me, in the long run, I just I would love to have a shop. I, we have a shop out here um, that hasn't been converted yet, but maybe eventually that can have a little space for me. And I, I'd love to just sell beadwork and sell beads, be like a bead wholesaler and hang out on the ranch and just enjoy my days while throwing some beads down. Um, I love all running all the different directions. It's definitely fun. I'm pushing 30 though. So (laughs) I'm getting a little tired. (laughs) Um, so it would, I just, I keep imagining this future for myself where I get to sit on a ranch and look out at my cows with my husband, um, 
and and just put some beads down while looking at at all this God's country and and truthfully just slowing down and enjoying it all. And that I would say is is my biggest goal. Um, when it comes to individual projects, I'm I'm always looking for something fun to do. So I I almost can't say what I want to do because there's too many. All the things. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's what's fun about custom orders. I sure. Have you gotten any like wacky kind of custom orders that you've yeah, been able um, to really branch out with? You know, when Oklahoma um, made medical marijuana legal, <laughs> I got a lot. <laughs> I got a lot of requests um, for for marijuana specific items, and I think the most creative was they wanted like a beaded roach clip. Um, yeah, that's cool. That was that was different, and it was someone that had owned a dispensary, so they they wanted to to branch out. And I think I did like a little peyote stitch pot leaf with like a big you know jewel here and there hanging off the end, and then it like attached to the roach clip. Um, I'll be honest, I know nothing about anything when it comes to that, and so I had to like research what a roach clip was because <laughs> a roach is something that a man wears with a powwow on his head. And so I had to look it up to, and that I think was the most out of the box when it came to that. But I've, I've had people, I mean, there's people that want um, all kinds of, of beaded things when it literally that they could wear from their feet to their heads, um, you know, in their houses, they want vases and, and, and things of that nature. But I think the roach clip was probably the most out of the ordinary for me. Hmm. Has there been an item that you've made that you've like thought, okay, I'm not making one of those again because it was way too difficult. A beaded bouquet wrap. <laughs> um, I I was convinced that after that first one, I wasn't going to do any more. And then, you know, here we are. And I've probably done like 23 to date. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know if they're truthfully, I can't really think of anything that I've done that I'm just like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, I will say, and there's a lot of people that don't agree with me and I completely understand I really don't enjoy loom work. I don't. Um, I do it because people request it, especially for the cowboy hats with shorties. The loom skinny hat bands look the best with the beaded brims, but I'm just not a fan of loom work. And I used to obsess over that. And I was like, you know, I, and maybe it's because I, I was always so much better at different stitches but I would sit there and I'd look at it and be like, this is just not what I love to do. And then um, I think once I realized that as a creator of any craft, instead of doing what is expected, instead of doing looms just because that's what everybody likes, um, my hands might just not like that. Some people might just not like to do a basket weave. Some people might not like to do scroll work. And, and I really think this is where I kind of personify my hands a little bit. Um, my hands just don't like it. They don't like loom. <laughs> when I do peyote stitch, I zoom at it. I can sit down and just knock it out. My hands know what to do. And when it comes to loom work, it looks fine, but it might've been more of a struggle for me to get there. And so I think having done this for almost 12 years now, it's one of those where I've realized I shouldn't do something just because that's what people think looks the best. I should do what my hands are good at and my hands are really good at the peyote stitch. And so I think that if there was anything I truly had to get up, it would be my loom because I've kind of figured out how to do almost everything my loom can do in a peyote stitch. 
And that's, that's probably the one thing if I had to give something up, it'd be my loom. Which is also like wildly impressive from my perspective that you're doing like hat bands and things with peyote. Because peyote is one bead at a time, right? It is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you pick up the bead and you loop through the previous line and pick up a bead and loop through the previous side. Is that? Yes. Yep. So you you take, say I'm making a hat band, probably going to do about um, nine to 11. I like to do odd numbers because in a peyote stitch, if you have an even number, there's no hard center line. So you can't mirror the design unless it's okay. an odd count. So I do like a nine or an 11 count. You pick up nine beads to start. And that's actually your first two rows. Um, Peyote Stitch is done essentially half the row. So I'm going to put on five beads one way and then four the other. And I know that sounds confusing. And that's why a lot of people get discouraged with Peyote Stitch is because the first two (laughs) rows just throw everything out of whack if you don't get them right. Um, And you just, you double back on yourself and you're just beading back into the beadwork and you don't bead onto anything. And you don't use any devices to do it. You just have your hands, thread, needle, and beads and nothing else. Um, typically with a loom, you're using a device with flat stitch for like earrings and medallions and things. You're beading kind of like embroidery style into these, you know, uh, back of fabrics, whether that's pellin or um, leather itself. And then with the peyote stitch, there's nothing. And that's, I really like it for the travel purposes. I travel while be like, when I have to travel for whatever it is, I always um, try to sit in the passenger seat so I can bead while we're driving. And I, I like peyote stitch for that reason. I don't need anything other than the beads, the, the thread and the needle. And I can just do whatever I need to do without having to be sitting like at a table. Loom beading's bulky. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And then if a string breaks, you just die or... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, uh, Funny story, I have have cats, which I never thought we would have. But, you know, you have a toddler and she... (laughs) She wants a cat, so now we you have get cats. a cat. <laughs> you get a cat. Um, but so we had a cat named Duck, and she, I did not know this um, until I got her. I didn't realize cats will kind of chew on things um, like a dog does, and so I had this loomed piece. It was almost done, and oh, it was no. on my kitchen table. And I was done for the night, so I stuck it on the table, and I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning, and all the strings were cut. Like someone had taken scissors to it. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, no. What happened? The cat would fly. And I didn't figure this out until obviously, like, I, I thought my toddler cut it. I didn't get onto her, but I thought my toddler did it. And so um, I restarted it and I got a few lines. And then I like went to the bathroom or something. I come back and the cat was chewing on it and she was cutting it with her teeth. <laughs> she was like flossing her teeth with it. And so every time I do a loom piece, I have to take a towel and throw it over the loomed piece. So that the cat won't won't cut it with your teeth. Um, I I cannot stand loom pieces for that exact reason. Once it's once it's cut, it's cut. You cannot add to it, and you can't subtract. You, there's not fixing it yeah. really. No. But with a peyote stitch, you know, last Christmas I did a peyote hat band for a cousin of mine <laughs> who wanted a brand on it. I forgot to add the brand, and so all I did was I I snipped some thread, took out a few rows of beads. I added the brand in there and then connected all the pieces together and it took me five minutes to fix it. See, I was going to ask, I was going to ask that. So, so when you do like the hat bands or the, um, the bridal 
wraps, is that one long continuous piece or are you splicing in new pieces I, I do of, it of thread? Together. I do it all together. Now, what I'm working on currently that's a surprise, um, I'm doing in pieces because somebody keeps looking over my shoulder. So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually doing it in pieces so that he hasn't seen the full product yet. Um, he's only seen it in pieces. And then uh, I'll, I'll put it all together like a puzzle at the end. But that's very, like, not typical at all. I, I typically, I start and I go. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of mirrored designs. So all of my bouquet wraps are mirrored. You're, you know, whether you have a, a initial or a brand in the middle of the bouquet wrap or not, um, you'll, you can fold that piece over, fold it in half. And the design will be the same on both sides. Um, I love the symmetry of a mirror design. And so I, I'm able to, if something, I'll, I'll paddle on myself. If I start on the design on, say, the left side and I go towards the right, because I always bead towards my dominant hand, my right hand, um, whether that's, you know, hat bands or, or the bouquet wraps, I maybe will put a bead in the wrong place. And then... I'll just leave it there. And when I get to the other side, if you put it in the same place on the other side, you meant to do it. Oh, it works. <laughs> you definitely meant to do it. Um, so I, I've never really had to go back. I, if I make a big mistake, obviously I'll go back and fix it. And then there's sometimes I just don't like what I've done. And so I trash it. Uh, people hate that I do that, but that's, that's the way I roll. So I'll trash it and I'll, I'll start back over and, and fix it. It's it usually, you know, I start and I stop on the same piece. Um, so it, it kind of just grows as I, as I'm beating onto it. Have See, you... we always use the term wabi-sabi, which is, um, I think it's Japanese. And there's, there's a similar concept within, um, within the indigenous peoples, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know what the word is. Are you talking about a spirit bead? Maybe so. The wabi-sabi, essentially. Yes. Yes. So the wabi-sabi in Japanese is, is the, the accident that, that just becomes part of the piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in, in native culture you have, and, and there's some bead beaders that they, they live by the spirit bead and some don't. But the way I was taught is that a spirit bead is something that um, kind of illuminates the owner of the piece. Um, it's something that is is natural and it occurs. Obviously, if you're making some big mistakes, uh, you know, you can fix that. But one bead out of place here and there. Um, and then there's other teachings. Um, and, and this is the one that I kind of stand behind the most is that uh, – we aren't perfect. Uh, you know, the only person that's perfect is God. And so we put something, um, you know, you, you make, you make your piece imperfect, um, to show respect for nature and for God and, and for the, the perfect that is nature. Um, that's and, the way I learned it. Yeah. yeah showing, showing that you're human. Um, and so, you know, you, and I, I will say, most every piece I have has a spirit bead in there somewhere. Now I kind of cheat the system a little bit, uh, I, and I, I do it on purpose, number one, so that, you know, nobody is like, oh, you didn't do this perfectly. Um, but also because it kind of makes it fun that I know where the spirit beat is and nobody else does. And that is them. I try to make it a very similar shade of color. 
And so it's there. It's not sneaky. the right weed, but it's sneaky. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's something that's a little inconspicuous. It might be one matte black bead in a sea of like luster black beads, but it's there. And I know where it is, but nobody else does. <laughs> I I could be wrong, but I think uh, what are those uh, really expensive, popular rugs? Uh, Persian rugs, I think. Yeah, I I. I heard this a long time ago, but I could be wrong. But I thought I heard that in Persian rugs that they somewhere in the rug they'll have a odd thread. Oh, yeah, that maybe to not have it perfect. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of like different cultures over time, and and they all have their own perceptions of it. But they all have like a similar ideal of you know having something be imperfect. and and I'll even be honest, there's a lot of um, older beaters I know that when they do it, they do it for claiming purposes. So obviously now we have watermarks and we have photography and, and we have all of these ways to document our processes and, and be like, this is mine. I created ownership. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, even just 10 years ago, that wasn't the case or, or 20 years ago. Um, definitely wasn't the case. You didn't have the ability to truly photograph the entire process um, like we do now. You know, we have the cameras on our phones. And so what they would do is they would put specific bees in specific places and that would show their ownership. So if someone tried to claim their beadwork and say, like they would get their hands on their beadwork somehow, I'm like, oh yeah, I made this. They could turn it to that bead and say, no, I, here's my identifier. Like I made this. Um, Here's my sneaky bead. I know I made this. <laughs> the sneaky one. That one was good. You don't quite know. I actually, uh, there was a woman that contacted me on TikTok. She had a beaded belt buckle of her father's. I believe it was created sometime in the, uh, maybe the 70s. Um, I could be wrong. It could be an older belt buckle than that. But um, she, it was coming apart. It was completely unraveling. And so uh, she shipped it to me and I was able to, to refurbish it for her. Um, and there was a spirit bead in there and I was so excited to find it as I was deconstructing it. I found it was one darker bead compared to all the other, uh, reds that were there. It was one almost maroon bead in the, the reds that were in that area. And so I made, I like took a little marker and I marked it and I was able to put the spirit bead back in the exact same spot. Oh, it was, like, oh that's it was cool. so special for me. Uh, I did not know it was there when I got the buckle and I, I had just happened to cross it while I was deconstructing it. So I, I love that. I love seeing the sneaky of other artists, um, even, you know, decades later. <laughs> and when See, you unfortunately, that, you... go ahead, Dustin. I was going to say, we, we actually need to be kind of sneaky like that with our art nowadays anyways, because there's so many uh, places that will steal artwork and oh, yeah. bulk make it and kind of make what turn around and sell it for dirt cheap. And oh, yeah. I know, I know a up. lot of leather crafters that if they draw like tooling designs, they'll put kind of, I guess you could call them Easter eggs within mm-hmm. the design to kind of watermark it a little bit. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I'm kind of jealous of when it comes to leather is I feel like you can add a little signature in there. Um, a, a lot less conspicuous as, as beadwork because you know, if I, if I add a signature in the beads, they're going to notice that. Um, (laughs) But I, uh, I definitely, I wish I could do that in my beads. And I've thought about for the bouquet wrap specifically getting like a little stamp because I do a suede back. 
Um, that way it's malleable. And, and I put corset backs on them so that they can adhere to different sizes of bouquets. And so I thought about like getting a, a little stamp uh, made or maybe like a, a little brand that I could heat up and just kind of brand my um, my signature on the back. But that's really the only thing I could think of where I would be able to do an actual signature because everything else is is just beaded. Oh, I didn't think about that. We do kind of have the luxury there because I tell you what, yeah. I had my maker's mark. Um, I got made at a, a place in Tulsa and I think it's, oh, don't call it me. I think it's magnesium, but between like wet forming and heat and a couple different methods, I can put my maker's mark on like literally any surface. I mean, I can, I wish I could do that. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and like I said, I hadn't thought about that with beads, but I mean, unless you had maybe like a, like a teeny tiny kind of initial thing, you really couldn't do that. Yeah. I've, there's truthfully nothing. I've, I've never put my signature on anything. Um, now I, I, uh, have done something where I can like sew in like for the bouquet wraps sometimes I'll sew in like a little heart or something especially if I know the bride um for the the back the you're never yeah. gonna see it except for the bride as she's putting it on and so that's just like a little feel good there but other than that I've never had the ability to truly sign anything I mean think of a pair of earrings uh if you had something made out of silver you could stamp it but when it's beaded there's no way to to put a little stamp or anything on it. So huh. that's where, that's where the spirit bead comes in handy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It, it might be more work, but do you remember like high school times, those little, uh, you could get those little glass jars with a piece of rice with your name on it. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you would have to get one little in rice. every color. And I have seen um, beaters, they'll get the the little tags and put like a stamp on the tag. But of course, you know, when you get your earrings or whatever it is, you always take the tag off. So, yeah. um, but it's, it's definitely one of those where if I could figure it out, I mean, I think that would make a lot of money. A lot of beaters would be interested. We've <laughs> seen, I think that, especially with COVID, um, a lot of people were finding new hobbies and I, I truthfully, and I stand behind this statement. I don't think it's a mean statement because I was there at one point in time myself, new crafters are apt to recreate other people's work um, mm -hmm. because they're trying to learn. And so I, and I'm guilty of this when I was, when I was, you know, 17 or so 18, and, um, you know, you see beadwork and you want to recreate that. So you try to recreate it and then you end up copying someone's work and, with COVID so many people were taking on all of these new crafts and you saw a lot of people wanting to learn these things. So they just recreate what all of these other people are already been doing for, for quite some time. And we saw a rise in that a lot, especially on TikTok and in some Facebook groups and, and things of that nature. Um, the good thing is, is the bead community, um, especially certain, certain avenues of the bead community really isn't that big. Uh, you, you would think it is. <laughs> But we all kind of talk to each other. We know somebody that knows somebody. And so we all kind of look out for each other. There's an amazing beater and silversmith maker out of um, Texas, Double M uh, Beadwork, McKinsey. And she um, has these gorgeous earrings that she does on the loom. She looms them and then she adds silver to them. So it's kind of like a silver stud and then the beadwork hangs down. Um, she also now encases the beadwork inside of silversmith hoops and she's got these very distinct styles and these very distinct designs. And 
some China company like took the designs and mass produced them. And then they made their way to like the Dallas market and every, you know, Western boutique South of uh, Kansas has these, has these earrings now. Uh, And it was so heartbreaking for her. And I felt so terrible for her because it, it, while technology is amazing for us to be able to showcase our products and gain new customers, it's also a great way for larger companies um, like the one that did it to her to take those designs, see that they're popular and then recreate them. I mean, one of them was literally her, her brand, like her ranch's brand. They oh no. With her ranch's brand on them. She's like, you can't yeah. tell me this isn't my design. That's my brand. That is literally my brand. Yeah. yeah. So um, it, it was very obvious that they, they just completely ripped it off. And then of course all these Western boutiques, they just buy them because yeah. they, they don't know the difference. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of um, like the what happened with the Pendle, Pendleton purses. Pendleton, yeah. Uh, I forgot which maker started making those. They would have, you know, the tool top. It would have that Pendleton. I think, uh, is it Myra? Uh, it could be. I, I don't remember. But she made the fringe on each side and a tool strap. Oh, no. The, and, are you talking about, like, Holy Cow Couture? The, uh, so right. Myra, Myra bags are, are the ones that are pretty uh, you you see those in a lot of boutiques and everything. My sister even sells those out of her boutique. And yeah, uh, I saw one at Walmart. Yes, two days ago, a Myra bag. Yeah, and so those are um, those are like a newer, not a newer brand, but those are more popular now. Holy Cow Couture came out of Stillwater, and they made purses and they put like little cow tags on them, and each bag got it, you know, a number one, two, three, four, five, and they had like the rope handles and the fringe and. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm they they were re- really big and they they definitely took off and then yeah you saw a lot of people um copying especially the the rope handle that was very distinctive of holy calcator um so yeah I, I know what you're talking about that that was a very good example of people kind of taking a smaller maker's designs and then blowing it up i actually know a beater uh, a native beater i think i followed him on instagram at the time this has been years now but he created these gorgeous um boots the think of like the knee high boots but mm. they're like six inch heels and like a pointy toe and he beaded the whole thing oh my god the whole thing tiny little seed beads even and gorgeous i mean belong in a museum oh, i think they're stunning. in a museum they're absolutely stunning. He's done multiple different uh, shoes and things, all high heel, all very high fashion. And some company, um, it was not an American company. I, I don't know where exactly it was. They created a Barbie doll with the shoes, like <laughs> the exact design, his exact design of that boot. That is not something that you can say, oh, yeah, I saw it somewhere else. No. No. Um, <laughs> where, who else is going to be done? knee-high boots but they they took that exact and it was a it was like they made a barbie out of it they they had a barbie doll and it had some you know gown on and then those exact boots and he was like what even how did this even happen who (laughs) who works for this company that found my instagram account and took the pictures of these boots and made them into barbie doll heels it was just it was insane and it's so frustrating because there's really no reciprocity there's just kind of like oh well Mm -hmm. that's it's very hard to copyright beadwork. It really is. Yeah. Um, and it's expensive. It's very expensive. Not worth it, I'm sure. It really isn't. I do know that there are some that are able to, especially things that are like big sellers. I've personally thought about patenting 
the um like I've looked into it the actual creation of the bouquet wrap not the you know, you know I can't patent a peyote stitch or anything like that I wouldn't patent a solitary design but the actual way that it's created um with the way I attach the leather and the corset and, and all of those things I could patent that and as it's kind of gotten more popular I have started to see copycats um and typically they're people that reach out to me and they ask me if they can copy or if they can copy me um, so it's not like I don't already know that they're doing it, but, um, you know, you're seeing people wanting to recreate it and it's something I haven't seen before. I was like, okay, well I'll look into this process. Oh my gosh. Um, I think base price starts out 700 just for like application. Wow. And, um, that isn't like, you have to continually. Like, you have to update it, it yes. regularly. Um, and that's even if it gets approved, like there's renew it whole process. Yeah. Renewal. And so it's, I think it was 700 when I looked into it um, hmm. just for the application. And it's one of those where it's like, I don't have the, I can't, I mean, and then like Mackenzie, when she had all of that happen with her earrings, I remember her looking into copyrights of her designs. And I do believe she possibly copyrighted some of them because she returned with like a cease and desist. Um, but it, it still was a very expensive endeavor for her. And, it's almost one of those where you kind of throw up your hands and I was like, okay, well I'll just find the next good thing. Um, Cause it's kind of disheartening, but it's, it's, I think something that all of us as creators, no matter what our medium is, can relate to because we're so proud of what we create um, that it's hard to see it mass produced and cheapened. Even yeah. they create it in such a way that it's not created with the same dedication, passion and, and experience as you creating it. And so you see it mass produced like that. And of course, people wanting to buy it, you know, they'd rather spend $10 on something that's going to break in two months than um, $50 for a pair of earrings that are going to last for years. So, well, and that's kind of what we, that's kind of what we always say is, you know, our customers are, are the, the individuals that, that know and appreciate the difference. Yes. They value you know, true hard work and, and talent. Craftsmanship. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I have one last question before we get off of here. Since you are um, kind of using your craft to bring yourself back to your roots, have you been able to do any beadwork or do any teaching of beadwork within your tribal community? Yeah. So I haven't actually made my way back to Durant. I was um, invited to do a showcase right about the time COVID um, happened and it was a small thing where you know they they allow the registered artists to come in and, and kind of put beadwork out during certain festivals and and things of that nature but um, unfortunately COVID kind of knocked everything out of play um, prior to COVID I would travel around to local Johnstone Alley programs which are programs that were created to allow indigenous students to learn about their heritage while in school I was a product of the Johnstone Alley program and I I truly believe that because of JOM and the way that they uplifted me, they, you know, they would encourage good grades. They would take you to different cultural events so that you could learn what you weren't learning from home. And uh, when I graduated from high school, that was something I, I knew uh, I wanted to return and, and try to do. So for the, the Chickasha Johnson Valley program, I was able to teach a month long course in one of their summer camps. We created shawls with the kids. Um, we made different beading activities, necklaces, moccasins, things like that. Um, the Mustang Oklahoma Johnson Valley program, they invited me in. I was able to teach a class at um, OU. There was a 
class that they did for some students in one of their uh, apartment dorm things. And, and they had different cultural events that they would, would coordinate for the students to participate in. And so I did one of those. Um, And I've been invited to, you know, just some random little groups here and there to, to teach. And I, it's always something that I love. I, I could do that every day, all day. Um, It's, it's something I wish I could have continued to do more, but because of COVID, you weren't allowed to go into schools. I've done a couple of Zooms since then, um, and I was going to do a Zoom masterclass this summer on TikTok, actually, through Zoom, um, but it, it didn't pan out just because the world got a little busier. Apparently, everybody <laughs> decided to cancel their events for COVID and then reschedule them all for the exact same time frame, <laughs> so um, I wasn't able to, to do it, but definitely trying to utilize technology to be able to make up for for that social interaction that we've kind of lost touch with and I know people are getting out more and more but there's still a lot of actual programs and organizations that can't fully commit while the individuals are committing you know there's there's companies and organizations that can't fully allow you like schools can't allow you in and things like that so um, slow going, but hopefully getting back to that soon. I've been uh, thankful to be a part of a bead group called Turtle Island Beaters. Um, and we kind of get together on, on Zoom calls and teach each other. And, and then obviously, you know, using TikTok and posting videos to kind of help show the different stitches and, and different ways to do stuff. So I, I haven't gotten to do as much as I'd like, but I'm trying to find new ways. Well, Cheyenne, I tell you what, I am just... I know I've already said this, but I'm just wildly impressed. And this has just been a fantastic podcast. You are a wealth of information and a delight. (laughs) Thank you so much. It definitely just kind of felt so natural to talk to you guys. You guys are are wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm so happy to have done this. Dustin Uh, has one more thing for us, Cheyenne. Okay, two more. Two more. uh, you You mentioned TikTok a couple of times right and yeah i just got it got on tiktok this year oh and for for my business and before like i i forgot where i got the idea to do it i think i saw somebody's reel or somebody sent me something i don't know but uh like for the longest time i was like i had i've got too much to do it's you know i look at facebook and instagram enough as it is (laughs) and then I got on it and started posting stuff and I'm still not very good at making videos, but like the scope of people that you attract through TikTok is completely different than what you get on like Facebook or Instagram. Oh, definitely. That's very true. And it's, it's kind of crazy that the different, it's kind of, it has its ups and downs. Cause like for me, like I'll post a goofy video and it'll get like, I think it's like at a hundred thousand views, right? And then I'll post like a piece of leather that I'm super proud of, and get like <laughs> a couple of likes and maybe twenty views. I'm like, what yeah, I knew is? exactly where you were going with that. <laughs> but but then I can uh, do a TikTok live where it's just a camera watching me work. And out of nowhere, somebody will message me and be like, hey, are those two purses still for sale? Like, what what purses are you talking about? And they'll go, they'll start telling me there's two purses at the very bottom of the video that I posted (laughs) six videos ago. Yep. And now I'm I'm just waiting for the lady to message me back with 
PayPal information and I might have them sold. Mm-hmm. And I made those so, courses like two years ago. For for creators, and and this is my experience. So you know, it could be different for other people. Um, you know, I I got on TikTok because COVID had us locked down, and I was pregnant, and I had nothing else to do. Um, so I I got on TikTok just for fun, and then I posted my first bead video, and it blew up. And there were some videos I got to millions of views on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was last summer when TikTok was still blowing up. So like a million views at that time, that was viral. Uh, it was insane. Now, you know, like 10 million views is viral. It, it, there's so many more people on TikTok now, but I was like, oh my gosh, like this is insane. <laughs> I, I have like a thousand followers on Instagram and I've been doing that for like a decade. And so I, uh, I really leaned into it and um, started just kind of videoing what I was doing. And then it turned into, you know, sometimes you do the lip sync. I don't dance on TikTok, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> I refuse to go there, but you know, there's some lip sync and I always kind of you know, you have these trends that people can make into, a, you know, being a mom or, or being a rancher. And, and I just make them into being a beater and, and relate to that. And it, it blew up. And I will tell you, there is no other platform that algorithm is more inconsistent than TikTok. Oh, you yeah. will have a video that will go viral and you will have a video right after that that gets 10 views and it makes absolutely no sense sometimes. <laughs> but I will say um, the TikTok community they are looking to buy stuff. Like, oh, yeah. I, I could post it on Instagram and it could sit there for over a month and I could post it on TikTok and have it sold in less than an hour. And there's just something about the TikTok community that they want to support your business in that way. And I feel like the way I've explained it in a couple different, um, you know, groups and such is that Instagram is like going to the museum and you get to look at all the beautiful things, but don't touch it. And then TikTok is where you're like in Mall of America and you're walking. <laughs> uh, that's that's the experience for me, even as, you know, not just as someone that likes to buy stuff, because I will admit I bought quite a few things off of TikTok, <laughs> but as someone that is a creator, I I truly see so many so many more sales coming out of TikTok than uh, than anything else. And I, I know it's true of any medium because you see cup makers and you see earring makers and you see leather workers and silversmiths and people that create home goods and I mean soap and I, there's mm-hmm. so many people making soap on TikTok <laughs> you see all of these small businesses truly thriving and I do see that Reels is trying to catch up with TikTok I will mm-hmm. admit I'm lazy I make it on TikTok and then I just download it and just post it to my Reels that's so, what I do <laughs> me too I, I see it's so much easier um but even even then, I, I there's just something about TikTok that people want to support small businesses. And while you do have, you know, just like any platform, you have people that kind of come out the woodworks um, and they <laughs> like to make comments. You know, I've, I'll admit over the time, I've had a lot of comments uh, regarding my race. Like people mm-hmm. have an opinion on what my race is. They don't <laughs> you can't you can't change it. I don't know why you want to change it. <laughs> who I am. And so I've had to deal with, you know, backlash like that. Um, but the best part is that when someone pops off with a stupid comment like that, you get to make a response video. And <laughs> fun just to take a silly, I think there was an audio I used once that was like, well, if you're going to act like a silly goose, you can go <laughs> on. <laughs> and people, people, you know, they, they, they love, they love the TikTok drama. They love the sarcasm and they love people that are able to just like, you know, be proud of themselves, be confident in their craft. And 
Oh my gosh, I could go on and on about TikTok. It's it's something I never anticipated falling in love with, but I I have found an amazing community on TikTok. I found amazing customers on TikTok. Most of my bouquet wraps come from TikTok. Um, it's it's definitely something that I would push everybody to try at least once. <laughs> at least once. Uh, I think that's actually where I found you. Oh gosh. And um, was it a stupid video or was it a good? Video? <laughs> I don't remember which one it was, but I ended up. Um, think it said like it said Oklahoma in the tags yeah and I was like Oklahoma this would be perfect for the show and pulled up the Instagram and that's when I ended up messaging you well I'm an okie through and through so that was good (laughs) all right so we've kept you long enough thank (laughs) you so much for coming on this has been a great episode I think this has been our longest one yet I'm sorry oh it's it's fine for sure it is fine so I will end with the dad joke. (laughs) (laughs) So I've decided I'm going to start a band. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, I might get Allie, you know, Allie or Dylan, who's been on the show, both of them, see if they'll come in uh, and be in the band with me. But uh, I'm going to call it books. The band's band name is going to be books. Okay. so no one can judge judge us by our covers. Mm. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Tell me why I'm like physically cringing, waiting for the. <laughs> I was like, "When's it coming? No, it's coming." <laughs> I love dad jokes. Oh, uh, we I, didn't I, mean to do dad jokes, but it just kind of worked out that way because I I absolutely adore them as well. My. Jacob, he started doing dad jokes while I was still pregnant. I was like, oh, you're going to jump on it, huh? <laughs> well, yep. I figured I'd throw a band one in, in because uh, I'm not, I, I haven't read too much into it, but it kind of looks like the Turnpike Troubadours are back. Yes, yes. yes they are. They are. They are. I'm sorry. We are all reeling. Yes, yeah. they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Any closing statements, Melissa? No, thank you guys. Have a good evening. Join us next week for Bespoke, Oklahoma. Bye. Bye. I said it once, say it again. How many times I've told you. I know this stuff because I'm from the great state of Oklahoma.